Five ways to overcome financial adversity. It's Brian Preston, the money guy. Restoring order to your financial chaos. Retirement, investing, taxes. You've got financial questions, he's got financial answers. It's Brian Preston, the money guy. Yeah, Brian, you know, here's it's just a fact. There are going to be things, whether they are personal, business, financial, non-financial, there are going to be things that are going to have an impact on us that are going to have financial impacts and financial implications. And it's not a matter of if these things are going to happen. It's a matter of when these things are going to happen and how do we handle them. And I think, uh, look, a lot of people go hear this title and be like, oh, no, this is going to be such a downer show. No. no. I want you guys to hang in there with me because I actually titled this show, but nobody listens to me. <laughs> I, you know, I found this thing, but nobody listens. I want to title, the, title this Victory from the Jaws of Defeat. because, <laughs> and, and, and look, I'm, I'm dead serious about this. I think a lot of negative things that can happen in your life, if you look at them through the right lens sure. and you try to figure out, if there, is there something teachable, is there something I can learn from this experience, can actually turn a negative situation into a long-term positive event. And I know that is so contrary to what you're thinking. And I'm not even making, I'm not minimizing the impact of some of these things. We're going to be talking about some really some big things stuff, that can yeah. happen in your life. But I will share you with you some stories, experiences, and things we've witnessed how you can turn a negative into a net positive for your long-term life. And look, as we sit here right now, you know we're in some unique times. I yep. mean, even right now, there are just some big cataclysmic, never seen these types of things before happening. So this is kind of a perfect time to do an assessment of Oh man, how should I be handling this? How should I be thinking of this? Yeah, I mean, we're we're coming through a pandemic. Yep. And then, you know, we've had some as the government's trying to help out. There's been some hiccups, mm-hmm. you know, because the PPP program has got a lot of people in or, entrepreneur organizations that I'm a member of. They're pretty upset sure. because it was it was not not smooth. It was not a smooth transition. Oil prices went negative. Yeah, that's I mean, first time if ever. If you that's think about happened. what that means, does that mean that if, you know, you happen to be at the dock where they you know, deliver oil. They They'll just give you a you barrel. <laughs> you know, throw you a twenty dollars bill to take a barrel with you. I mean, it's it's just these are odd things, and that's why I, I did want. I felt like there's so much negativity out there between the news media and everything else. Why not be a little different? Share things we know because we've talked about on multiple shows. Drive through, sure. And then, I, and I also think it, it can't go unsaid enough that eighty one percent of Abound Wealth clients. That's our firm. We actually have started doing a wealth index survey every year. 81% of our clients would call themselves optimists. And what that means is not that they don't think that bad things are going to happen or not that bad things haven't even happened to them. But when the bad things happen, they try to find the good in it and how they can pivot and turn it into a positive. So let's the first one I want to do is in your wheelhouse, Bo. Okay. And, and we, by the way, we just made it through this, and maybe <laughs> we'll come back into it. Maybe we're done with it. Nobody knows. But markets losing 20 to 25%. Yeah. So one of the things that we hear people ask us all the time is, okay, well, how do I invest during a bear market? How should I invest after a bear market? Yeah. What are the things that I should be changing? Should Is this time different? Is this the time where I should just get out of this thing and forget this whole investing idea altogether? Yeah. And we we, we had a Q&A show this morning yep. and, and I got a few chuckles from everybody here in studios because I said this and I meant it. Anybody who's under 50 years of age, really 55 years of age, if you have another five, seven, 10 years before you retire, 
volatility is a strange bedfellow um, <laughs> from financial success. It really is. I mean, because when you talk about strange bedfellows, I was, after we did that show, I went and looked it up, and it's true. It's, it's, it's things that you wouldn't think fit together that actually do end up working out sure. well. And I can tell you, you get some of your best rates of returns on money that goes into markets when it's down. When you talk about the, when you talk about the cycle of market emotions sure. – Peak opportunities always at that low yep. where every nobody actually wants to buy stocks and on risk assets yep. is typically when everybody else is panicked and, and fearful of it. And that's why you always hear everybody say, I want to buy low, sell high. The reality is everybody actually wants to do the opposite. They do the exact opposite. That's right. And so when we think about, okay, well, just how, how bad has it been? You know, what has 2020 looked like? What did uh, the pandemic and COVID-19 and the economy shutting down, how severe was it? Well, if we just look at the S&P 500, 500 largest companies in the United States and how they performed through this thing, it's pretty remarkable how quickly and how violently we saw this yep. downturn. From February the 19th, to March 23rd, wow. only 24 trading days, so not even a full month's time, the S&P 500 dropped 34%. Yeah, uh, that is amazing to see 34% loss. Uh, what I do like the rest of the story, now like I said, we don't know if we're out of the sure. woods yet on this, but you've noticed from the visual there has been a slight recovery, yep. uh, You know, made back over half of the assets that were lost. I think this has actually created a great planning opportunity. Mm -hmm. This is one of those things you essentially get to have a do-over if you were caught off guard with sure. this thing. So when I talk about a do-over of, of things that you can turn a wrong into a positive, cash reserves. Yep. I mean, this is one I've talked about that I've felt out in the past. Yeah, I think a lot of times, and I think it's Warren Buffett that says, you know, it's when the tide goes out that you can see who's been skinny dipping. Yep. And that's so true with our own personal finances. If you're someone who perhaps has been running your cash reserves too lean, or you've been counting on uh, debt or home equity line or something like that for cash reserves, and now those asset values are down or perhaps the value of the home is not there anymore, you can find yourself naked. And it's the thing that you thought was there disappears and vanishes. Yeah, but now we've had a slight recovery. Mm -hmm. Maybe you have a chance that you can make sure that you have that three to six months Absolutely. of cash reserves. Same thing with asset allocation. A lot of people thought that they were cowboys, taking lots of risk, got caught with it. Now we've had a slight recovery. It's probably not a bad time to reevaluate, especially if you're one of these people that's planning on retiring in three to seven years. Sure. Go ahead and relook at that asset allocation and make sure that it is structured in a way to get you through all the situations you might be facing. This next one I think is so interesting, Brian. We think that you can automate to re remove some of your behavioral conflicts. I think it's so funny. We always talk to folks who are nervous about investing because what if the market goes down? Yeah. Well, one of the things that this rapid decline that we saw in March and February allowed us to do is we had a lot of folks who either um, sold a business, came into a settlement, had large cash, and they said, you know what? This is an opportunity. We should just dump as much in as we can now. Well, if you did that in February or the yeah. end of February, you were feeling pretty bad about March. One of the things we think there are two emotions that you have to control when it comes to investing. You have to control both fear as well as greed. And we think that one of the easiest ways to do that when you are an investor is to automate your savings, automate your strategy to remove some of those behavioral conflicts. Well, I like automating things too is because even I don't care how good of a, a financial person you are, when a market starts going down, you can't help but play do-it-yourself analyst mm -hmm. and you say, well, if the, here's my, I want to have a price that when the stock market hits this, 
I'm going to go just hog wild putting money sure. into, into work on this. Thing is, it never usually hits that number. <laughs> so what you can do is, and, and look, I had one of those numbers, and I never hit it. it never I got close, yep. but didn't get it. But the smartest thing I did was when I recognized markets were going down, I already had automatic purchases going yep. on throughout the month. I increased them. Absolutely. So that way, no matter what was going on, I was just going to be buying more to capitalize off of the situation. Yep, that's perfect. And that actually ties into the next one, savings rate. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're one of these people, use this downturn to say, since I know valuations aren't as rich and frothy as they were, I bet every dollar I can put to work now is going to be even more valuable in the long term. So pay attention to those savings rates. 20 to 25% is what we want people to be saving of your gross income. Yeah, if you're someone who hasn't been saving where you need to be saving, this is a great opportunity to turbocharge, supercharge those soldiers that you're putting into the Army dollar bills. But if you are someone who is on the other end of that coin and you're at retirement and maybe you've been pulling out you know, X amount from your 401k or your IRA to live off of, this is a really good time to reassess, is what I'm pulling out the actual amount that I need? We've talked to a number of clients, Brian, where we've said, hey, look, the markets are depressed, you're pulling out of your portfolio, and it's fine, it's sustainable, but if rather than liquidating and pulling that cash out, we could let those dollars keep working, it might not be a horrible time to do that now. And a lot of them said, you know what, you're right, I was yeah. pulling out $5,000 a month, we really only need $4,500 a month, and we'll be able to, to live off of that. This is a great time to reassess what your true cash flow needs are. There is a reason the CARES Act lets you kind of punt for 2020 mm-hmm. required minimum distributions. They knew that values as of 12-31-2019 were elevated. Sure relative to where they are now. So take advantage of that. Maybe you don't need to look at your distributions if you are in retirement. See if you can tighten it up a little bit just and take advantage of the tax savings from that as well. So not only are there some do-over possibilities for some things perhaps you weren't doing exactly right, we think there are actually some planning opportunities, specific opportunities you can take advantage of when you do see volatility, when you do see bear markets, when you do see pullbacks. One of the ones that we've been talking about a lot for clients as well as on the show is loss harvesting. If you have an investment that goes down in value, there's nothing wrong with selling that investment, buying something else similar, so you're not changing your investment strategy, but locking in that loss. You can use that loss to offset other capital gains this year or potentially even carried into future years. And realize that's for taxable accounts because if few sure. of you have asked questions, that's for taxable accounts. When you're actually, when you're moving things around in a retirement account, it's more of a rebalance to make sure you're structured appropriately. When we talk about loss harvesting, we're talking about in taxable accounts, if you have an embedded loss, mm-hmm. go ahead and lock it down, take the loss, Go buy some type of investment that's still probably a risk-on type sure. of investment. And you're like, well, why is that? Because aren't you actually ending up at the exact same place? Yes, but they, with a difference. Now, since you've locked in a paper loss, even though you've been there for the recovery, you do have a loss when you do your taxes that you might actually get yep. a tax benefit out of. Also, think about this from an advanced planning strategy. If you locked in the loss on the downside, but then your asset appreciated because you hit it perfectly, you're going to get the paper loss to take the tax deduction. But then you also now, 12 months later, will have an appreciated, a better appreciated asset that you could actually give to charity yep. as well. So it's a it's a win-win situation. I always get It blows my mind a little bit when people say, it's the same thing. I'm like, no, there's some planning opportunities there. Another thing that you ought to think about 
about is, should I revisit my asset allocation as well as my asset location? So are my investments structured in the right way from an overall risk-on, risk-off standpoint? And then based on the type of accounts I have, whether I have Roth accounts, whether I have tax-deferred accounts, whether I have taxable accounts, am I holding the right types of investments in the right types of accounts? Yeah, pay attention to that tax location. So, so powerful. We talk about asset allocation, but we tell people all the time, Tax location can be just as powerful to making sure you're controlling your tax situation. And then, Bo, this is one we've been using for a lot of clients. Exiting out of those legacy positions. We have a lot of, you know, when new clients come on, we don't just do an apple cart turnover if we don't have to, especially if they have embedded gains. But now when you look at their holdings and if they've come back down, it's a great time if you got given something that you, it's good enough and you didn't want to pay the taxes on it, now is the time to reevaluate those legacy holdings. Yeah, we see this all the time. You know, one of the things that we love are really low cost index funds and really efficient markets. Well, sometimes someone might come to us and they might have had an active fund that's pretty expensive, but it's done really well. So yeah. there's a big gain. Okay, we can work inside those confines. When this type of opportunity presents itself, it gives us a great exit point to get out of that position and get into something that might be a little lower cost, a little bit better of a fit. And realize you can stack these concepts. You can take a loss harvesting event, compare it to a gain, an embedded gain in a legacy position, and those two might wash each other out to allow you to have a little more flexibility and maneuverability from a planning perspective. And then this last one ties in nicely. You can accelerate Roth conversion strategies. A lot of my, my viewers and audience members and even clients were talking about this with, you have to take required minimum distributions. And you know as soon as you reach 70 and a half, a lot of you, when we talk about Roth conversion strategies, we always talk about really between 50 to 70 and a half. It's actually 72, 72 now, now with the SECURE Act. Yep. Well, the problem with 72, though, is that you're like, but once I reach required minimum distribution age, the law requires I take that first before I can do Roth conversions. With them punting on RMDs in 2020, you can now, if you're a person that's RMD age, Take those Roth conversions in lieu of doing an RMD. Really powerful opportunity. And if you think about getting assets from tax-deferred accounts into tax-free accounts at the bottom of the market or during a recovery, when it recovers, it gets really, really exciting, that tax-free growth. One disclaimer. You know this is coming. We are early in the year, meaning there's over half. A lot of unintended consequences with Roth conversions. Pay attention to taxability of Social Security, Medicare premiums. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if you're doing the Affordable Care Act, you know, on the, how you get your health yep. insurance, all that stuff kind of comes into play with what your tax rates are. It might make sense because we're doing this with some clients. If you have a lot riding upon your tax rate, you might want to hit pause on doing the Roth conversion until you get to the end of the year and have a few more of those variables That's figured exactly out. exactly right. Just Perfect. measure twice, cut once, and do it right. Love it. Okay, let's talk about one. This is a serious one, um, losing your job. Mm-hmm. Um, I have so many thoughts on this one because realize I think a lot of what has shaped me in life is I watched my father get laid off when I was in late middle school, about to be go, go into high school. And it really did shape me in a lot of ways because I saw how you could go work for a company for 20, 25 years. And then because they had a strategic shift in a different direction, I mean, you could get left behind mm-hmm. on it. And, and that's so sad to me. And then I think about, I mean, one of my my young my, my friends, he's still one of my best friends. As a matter of fact, he was crazy. He now runs his father's business is that he was a $7 an hour welder, got laid off, 
and then went and started his own company. And now he's created a family legacy with this, him and his wife have this successful company. Now that my childhood best friend is still running and has his own legacy that he's building for his family. All these things. Here's what I'm trying to say. Can you turn a negative event of losing your job into something positive? Maybe this is your time to make your mark. So in that example, you said, I don't think this is so bold to say, had that individual not been laid off, yeah. perhaps he would have stayed a $7 welder for the rest of his life, rest of his career. His son wouldn't have had the opportunity to step into the family business. There wouldn't even be a family business. Maybe him actually being laid off was one of the best things that ever happened to him. It definitely put him because he went to a level of wealth that I don't think would have been available to sure. him otherwise. And I think, you know, as a matter of fact, I got with some of my high school buddies this year for spring training before COVID-19 shut it all. And we got to talk about some of this stuff. And it really is powerful. And that's why I do tell you, and you're, you're spot on, but negative events can have some unique benefits to them. Because here's what I mean by this. When you're put through a situation, look, we just went through, we're going, we're in the middle of a pandemic right now, hopefully coming to the close of what's going on. There's a lot of people losing their jobs sure. right now. But here's what I will tell you to do if you're trying to find the silver lining in this entire experience. Use the vision, use the clarity that comes from having something like this happen to you to figure out if now that all the noise has been removed from your life because you have to make a decision, see if something opens up that says, this is my chance to make something happen that could, just as Bo said, make a positive impact in the long term. And so and when we think about like your ability to make a mark, there's a few different things that potentially losing your job could cause or could allow to happen. The one you just mentioned is maybe this is a time to start a business. Yeah. Maybe this is a time you've had the entrepreneurial seeds and juices flowing, but you never could make the decision, okay, well, I'm going to step away and I'm going to go do this. And now you don't have the choice. Now that you've lost that job, it's okay, I've got to, I've got to either make it or make it. Those are the only two options that I have. Yeah. And so you have to go out there. Maybe this is a great time to do that because you have to. Well, and, I, and let's let's pivot a little bit because sometimes starting a, a job, a business, it can be a little scary. Sure. But what about if you just need to move to a different area? Maybe your skill set where you are would really be in demand over here, but where you currently are, there's uh, too many or it's just sure. not enough opportunity to make it successful. Maybe this downturn or this change is going to be something that makes that a positive thing sure. to consider. Oh, and then next thing, change of careers. I, what's funny is if you come do the office tour, you'll see we have the studio, and right outside the studio, one of our primary advisors is Eric. Mm -hmm. And um, we just sent an email to Eric today from a, a, a young man who's Started to listen to us when he was 16. 16 years old. Now he's quickly approaching his early 20s. Yeah, that's right. We've been doing this for a long time, since 2006. And he's, he's questioning on, he's making great success strides with saving, with his career, but he's just not super happy sure. with um, maybe the career choices. We sent him to Eric because Eric was the same thing, coming from big four accounting experience, kind of had to take some lateral decisions, maybe even a step back sure. temporarily, just to make huge strides in the long term for fulfillment, happiness, and success. So I'm, I'm telling you, there are all kind of, if you can take the negativity, yes, it stinks when you are approaching situations like this, but you never know with that clarity of vision and then the ability to remove the noise that maybe you can set yourself up for some really tremendous long-term success. So if you do find yourself in that position, you know, sort of step one is 
take an inventory of your skill set. What are the things that I'm really, really good at? What we're not saying is, okay, you know, if you've been a welder your whole life and now you think you want to go be a professional basketball player, maybe that's not the thing you ought to do. But if you know that you have an affinity and an ability to do something better than 90% of your peers, maybe this is a great time to hone that and move in that direction. I think we have a great transition point that ties into what I was just talking about Mm -hmm. with entrepreneurs is because we are dealing with a situation right now where unfortunately a lot of businesses are failing. Sure. Um, We're in a situation right now where um, you're, you're trying to figure out is how can a failure from a business turn into a how success? Can it be positive. Because yeah. I talked about in my pre- previous point that I had a friend who was a $7 an hour welder who started a successful fabrication business. That's the positive story. Sure. But we know that part of entrepreneurship is the reason it has this allure around it is because it's kind of it's kind of hard. It's I mean, you unicorn, you were yeah. doing things a little different, and we actually have some some stats to show you how hard it is to be a successful entrepreneur over the long term. Yeah, this is from the small uh, the SBA. The lifespan of a small business about only eighty percent of small businesses survive after the first year. Right, so that means two out of ten fall off within a a year. Don't make it. So you got to be in the top 80% to kind of make it. If you stretch that timeline out from one year to five years, only about 50% of the herd make it through. So one in two folks actually make it past the five-year mark. And then if you want to go all the way out and stretch it to a full decade, not argue, if you're making a career change, you probably are thinking about, I want to do this for the next 10, 20, 30 years. If you stretch it out to a decade, only 33% of small businesses make it to their 10-year anniversary. That's kind of devastating if you think about the fact that 7 out of 10 businesses just do not make it a decade. That, that's so scary, especially when you think about there's there's jobs, there's employment, there's people are counting on that to pay their mortgages, pay for groceries, some really scary stuff. And we could, a lot of people are likely looking at these situations right now after we've gone through this pandemic. Sure. So I want to talk about... How do you actually turn something negative? Because I do want to, I told you the whole purpose, this is not going to be a glass half empty type show. I want this to be a glass half full and optimist way of looking at things. Most entrepreneurs I know have had not just one business, they've had multiple businesses. And, And it's not uncommon to find that they've had failures before they found the successes. And I don't mind, I've been very... You know, I try to be very transparent mm-hmm. with the Money Guy family. Yep. Um, I've had a business failure. Sure. And Bo, Bo knows about this. Is that Fortunately, my I was business? In it. Yeah. I mean, it was. It, it was. <laughs> that's a great way of putting it. <laughs> we did. We started having some Money Guy podcast successes, mm-hmm. and we thought, you know what, this ought to pivot and roll into. We could be coaches for businesses as well with a business called Advisor Skills. Yep. We set this up. We went and approached somebody who was in the industry, very successful, did it. It didn't work. But, Bo, what what was the positive thing that came from that? Yeah, I think what we recognize is when you and this other person decided to share information, it's like, man, it's kind of cool having two voices on there. It's kind of cool having some additional folks. And so you said, you know what? I think maybe it was so cool having someone else on here. And you kind of looked around. And back then, there was no one else in the office except for me. You said, hey, why don't we bring Bo in this thing? Let's put a yeah. microphone in front of him and see how that goes. Well, I, I look at it as – I talk about I'm either Forrest Gump or Mr. Magoo. <laughs> and the fact that I had bought this extra microphone for Cheryl. Sure. The business fails. 
I'm realizing we got sunk costs in this microphone. So I'm like, let's bring Bo on. Yep. He's he's young, ambitious, has a lot of energy. It's turned out to be a one of the best. I consider it is, you know, we talk about the abundance cycle for our clients. It's the abundance cycle for the firm sure. is that we've continued to grow this thing, create opportunities, yep. and you made the show better. We turned a negative. We took from the mouth of failure mm-hmm. and turned the negative stuff that happened with advisor skills and turned it into a positive that the Money Guy show got substantially better and actually has continued to be prosperous from taking that situation. Love it. Um, so let's let's talk about I want to have some teachable moments from this. I want you to internalize when you have negative stuff happen. Sure. Like I you know, I talked about with the fact that I know when I ran my business way too lean on cash in 2008 and 9. You know, I was using a home equity line instead of using actual having cash reserves. So if you were a person who had a business that didn't work out, what are some teachable things you can do? One of them is look at that situation and figure out if, if you can create a business plan that is what I hope will happen. I think people do that one, mm-hmm. but here's where they, they fail. They'll also usually write what they, you know, the best case scenario, but very few business plans are, oh my God, I'm going to be broke because they didn't go, they were too optimistic in how they planned for everything. Yeah, I think one of the reasons that entrepreneurship gets so much attention and so yeah. much is people think about, oh, I get to be my own boss and I get to make my own hours and I'm in charge and the buck stops me. And we all have that vision for the best case scenario. We all think, oh, I'm going to turn into Mark Cuban or fill in the blank. But if you are going to step into this, and I've heard you counsel so many business owners on this, Brian, hey, don't don't just do the, hey, this is my best case. And don't just do, hey, you know what? I think this is what will probably happen. Do, what if I'm wrong? What if I'm not as good as I am, not as fast as I think I am, not as smart as I think I am? And what if this is all I'm able to do? What's the bare minimum? And is that still still sustainable? Yeah. And what happens if that's what plays out? What's my contingency plan? Do I have reserves to cover? Do I have liquidity necessary to allow me to get through that? I think it's so easy for us to think about the good one, the happy one, the excited yeah. one, and very few people actually plan for that worst case scenario. And if you do plan for that worst case, you know when you go back and look at those SBA stats, you'll see that I think a lot of businesses, they don't fail because of talent. Mm-hmm. They don't fail because they don't have passion. They fell because they didn't have the resources. That's they right. didn't have the cash. They didn't plan ahead. Doing that worst case scenario will definitely help you through all those negative things that you might face. Okay, let's talk about a big one that um, I think has shaped a lot of my life. So, sure. and this is, um, and, and you can add some color to this too, because I know you've ex- unfortunately experienced some yep. of this too, is that let's talk about what happens when you have lost a loved one. Yeah, I think um, I think all of us, if you haven't been there before, you probably will go through this. It's just an inevitable. No, no, no one makes it out of this life alive. And what's really, really sad is when someone that you care about, someone that means a lot to you, is no longer there. It's a difficult thing. No matter how prepared you are for it, no matter how much you think, oh, I'll be okay through it, it hits you hard. At least that's what I've noticed in my experience. Yeah, and there's nothing, I will tell you, there's nothing that prepares you for losing a parent. I mean, it's um, it, it's a pretty tough thing. I I have unfortunately lost my father when he was um in his early fifties. Mm-hmm. I mean, so it it's created. You know, he didn't get to see me start the company. He right. didn't get to see a lot of stuff. But he, I will tell you what Dad did provide for me, and and I thought it was kind of interesting. Um, I just tweeted this morning. It is Steve Spurrier's seventy fifth birthday today. Is it really? And um, what's interesting about that is that my dad's 75th birthday would have only been like two weeks ago. Uh-huh. So, you know, April 6th. 
So it was kind of interesting when I saw that on Twitter. I tweeted it out this morning, and everybody who, who knows, my dad was um, was Spurrier's left tackle um, for the Florida Gators. He, he knew Steve. Steve was actually always been good to my family when my dad was sick before he passed away. Um, the old ball coach reached out. I mean, it was really nice, and Dad had always had good stories about that. But that was that was only one little facet of my father. He was also I still this is the and you know this, Bo, because you've seen it. Mm-hmm. I still get phone calls from some of dad's friends that just want to reach out and say how much they miss dad because he's been gone. He's been a good guy. So you look at, you look at your life and when you lose somebody here, here's my advice to you, how you can turn a negative into a positive is I want you to think about, look at your life. And first here's this is going to be a multiple part thing. But the first thing is look at your life, do a 360 view and say, is this what I'm supposed to be doing? Because uh, you look at, because I will tell you, after my father passed away, I was leaving the house at probably like six in the morning, mm-hmm. coming home between seven, around seven o'clock at night. And I was working for a great company. It was nothing negative to say about that. It's just that, but my priorities were all screwed up. I was in this corporate life working all the time. And I looked at my father's life. He made every one of my school plays, even though he had no business, no desire to be going to school plays. He made all my my tennis matches. He made basketball games. I mean, he was there at everything. And I looked at my life and I said, that's not going to be reflected. I'm not going to have the balance that dad had. I've got to fix this. So it gave me the clarity that the the negative life event that I knew I had to, to figure that out. So that's the first thing is... And that's what led to Preston Financial. My mm-hmm. first entrepreneurial opportunity was I actually left a very good job without clients, by the way. That's how <laughs> nutty I was. You don't have rational thoughts sometimes when you go through these big life-altering things. Is that I actually left a job. Twelve. I, it took me about 12 months of planning. Mm-hmm. Now, it's all we all look around and we say, hey, it worked, it worked out, out now. But it was kind of chaotic at sure. a time. But it did give me the clarity to realize I had to, after that 360 view change my 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 personal life. Sure. And for me it was starting my own company because I didn't see it out there. And that leads to the next point. Is there a trait or a guiding behavior that can kind of become a beacon of your life that you use this for purpose, you use this for as a guidepost to make sure you're not getting outside of your lanes. Guys, I will go ahead and tell you, life the older you get and and I I see this all the time, you wonder where midlife crises come from, you worried it's typically because people lose focus to their why. They lose, they don't have a guidepost to keep them in the lanes. They end up getting in the ditch because they just were directionalists. So when I lost my father, it really gave me a lot of focus on, and I kind of mentioned this previously, family was first. Right. You, 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 memories, creating memories with family members, because that's the part that I remember internalizing is that, yes, I lost this man way too soon. He He didn't get to see anything. But man, I had a good life with him. I mean, he got to be there at so many things. It was it gave purpose. It created memories, and that stuff is enough memories that will that will power decades and for the rest of my life. And hopefully, I'll get to instill the same thing with kids. People people wonder why do I love Walt Disney World? Why do I love? It's because that corridor between It's a Small World and Peter Pan. I still get goosebumps because it makes me think of my father and yeah. stuff like that. So. Great, great stuff comes from that. And you can internalize that and figure out how you can also do it. And that leads to my last point. And I think this gets overlooked when we talk about money, success, and other things. Are you nourishing your spirit? Mm -hmm. I mean, look, 
that's not me trying to make a, a pitch um, on, on religion. I mean, if you ever want to approach me privately, I'm glad to share with you what, how sure. Bo, Bo and I feel about things. But I do think that no matter what, there is something about the seeking of happiness that there is something way beyond just how much money you make, what your job is. You've got to nurture your spirit. Why do you think memories blossom? Why do you think they're so important? There's something inside of us that makes us different than all the other animals that occupy the planet. So make sure you're not taking that for granted and are spending time on the spirit as well. Yeah, and I think one of the interesting things, and it it ties in with that, Brian, this is a point that we put into the notes. you know, and, and I'm I'm reminded of this. Are there are there regrets relationships that should be mended? Yeah. And you know, we we've recently um, gone through the loss of Kobe Bryant. You know, he was tragically yeah. killed in a helicopter accident. And I think what was so sad is if you watch like Shaquille O'Neal's interviews talking about you know their relationship and that kind of thing, I think one of the things he was the most sad about is that he never actually got to tell. He never told Kobe the things that he thought about him and how he felt about him and mended that relationship. And so sometimes the loss of a loved one, or or, or even tangentially, when you know someone who loses a loved one, it does kind of make you think about not only are there relationships out there that should be mended, perhaps that have been strained that you should address, but are there relationships that you're not taking the time to go say, hey, I value this? Because I love... You know, I, I did not have to go through losing a father the same way that you did. But I think is what's interesting is the way that I have now watched how you prioritize family and prioritize your kids as I've now gotten married and had my own girls. Even that, even that thing that changed yeah. your life has now even impacted my life. That's and I great. just think that that's that's the way that that works. So if you are someone that's in that position, it's amazing how lessons can be learned even through tragedy, even through hardship, and Oftentimes we don't know how we are affecting those people around us. Yeah, I mean, it, it just pay. It's the and nothing there costs money. Nope. That that's the part is that you just don't know. We all know that us as humans impact each other so powerfully. So just don't take for granted the relationship side of it. Yep. Um, and that that's a great segue into the last thing, which is pandemic. This pandemic. Um, a disaster can have a silver lining. Yep. And um, and what I was thinking about with this is, is that without a doubt, this has not been something that is ideal. Nope. It's not something that we'd wish upon our country, our world. It's just, it's, it's just an odd, odd time. But here's what I do think is interesting. It has allowed everybody out there to kind of think of the things that bring them happiness. Mm-hmm. What are the things that you have actually enjoyed during this unique period in, in our lives. What's the part of things that you miss? And let's figure out if there's some teachable silver linings in this. It's just like, I will tell you, I've enjoyed, I started walking with my spouse, my wife. Mm-hmm. I like that. That's kind of <laughs> nice. I enjoy, we've eaten more meals at home sure. as a family, sitting around a table traditionally than I think we have in mind, you know, in, in raising our kids. We've got the teenager, because I have a sophomore. I guess she's a junior now since schools have, it basically said peace out. But it's, um, you know, she, so she's about to be a junior. we got two years left with that. So it's great creating those memories. Mm-hmm. And, and, and but what I think this leads to is we've done so many shows, and I think we can, we can kind of sum it up. There's all kind of research on what's the correlation and relationship between money and happiness. Mm-hmm. And you see it all over. If you type in on Google and say, how much money to be happy? 
It'll say seventy-five thousand dollars a year, and you're like, "Wow, I didn't really think well, it would have an a, answer." There's a number there. Okay, <laughs> I guess I can do but that. But that's kind of an empty answer. What that means—that seventy-five thousand dollars—is deceiving. That's basically. To, and, and look, I know all of my coastal living places will say seventy-five grand. I mean, that's yes, I get it. it. Things are a lot more expensive there. But really, all that is is in most parts of the country, seventy-five thousand dollars will cover the basics. basics. Yep. But does basics mean happiness? Not at no. All. In my eyes, happiness means fulfillment. Mm -hmm. And we've done so many shows on what is the relationship with money and happiness. We've kind of, we've seen what it is. And and what fulfillment is, is that when you wake up in the morning, do you feel like you have purpose? Mm -hmm. That in your own little way that you're making the world a better place. That's why when you read books like The Millionaire Next Door, when you when people talk about they don't wear the most expensive shoes, they don't drive the fanciest cars, but the things they're most proud of is really how they kind of did professionally. Mm-hmm. They were known in their their career. They also had, you know, they were able to support organizations sure. that they were felt like they were making a positive difference. They talked about mentoring yep. was something powerful. I will tell you, most small business owners love seeing that their employees are doing well. Mm-hmm. Um, too. So it's all that stuff kind of wakes up and gives you purpose and you realize that's actually what happiness is. The $75,000 is just to cover the basics. But if you want to know what happiness is, enjoy your work. Make sure you enjoy relationships, that you're creating memories over buying stuff because memories blossom. Mm -hmm. They get better. Stuff ends up getting donated. And then when you get in a quarantine and you're cleaning the clutter, memories blossom into better things and give you happiness. All this stuff is just so powerful. Yeah, you know, I think it's so funny. Uh, And I do this all the time, and I'm I'm sure that a lot of you out there do this. We just get in this trap of being busy. Oh, I'm so busy. I'm so busy. I've got this. I'm moving from this to that. And maybe the business is a good thing. Maybe you're super productive, and maybe you're doing wonderful things. But what I think has been so awesome about this pandemic is it has forced us to become unbusy. It's just caused everything to come to a screeching halt. And now you can't say, oh, I've got this social thing and I got to be at this and I got to go there and I got to do this. It's caused us all to slow down. Exactly what you said, Brian, focus on what are those things that really matter? What are the things that are really important? When you strip it all away, what is the thing that I ought to be focusing my time on? And, And here's what I hope as we come out of this thing and as everything opens up and we all go back to hopefully normal life, whatever that may mean for you, I hope we don't lose that. I hope we don't lose that focus on, you know what, when everything was stripped away and all the busyness went away, I was able to hone in on that thing. I hope we can stay honed in even when life goes back to normal. Definitely the things that bring you fulfillment. I will tell you, though, as I've realized even more than maybe in the past, I am part of this doer tribe. And this this whole thing with this, this, this pandemic, with being locked in where you are and I have I have realized one of the things that brings me fulfillment is that I I found myself on a beautiful Saturday afternoon. I had nothing to do and and I was I was like, well I guess I could stream something on Netflix. Uh you know, there's now these all these things about Michael Jordan, which I'm looking forward to watching that. But it's like, no, this is no, I'm stir crazy. I'm ready to do something. It's a doer's dilemma is that you probably, if you're like me, and maybe you have an ADHD, and you just feel, you get stir-crazy if you can't be doing things, I have used this opportunity to light a fire internally 
that I've been brainstorming. I've been writing in our digital whiteboard, all kind of projects, ideas. I'm not going to let this situation put out the fire of what we can do. And I think there's a lot of doers out there. I think you guys out there in the Money Guy family, in the Abound family, you're the same way. So I, and yes, you're going to internalize and you're going to turn some of this stuff that's a, a negative situation we're in into a positive thing. But I think a lot of this is going to be kindling for the next great big thing that you're going to do that's going to improve the world, make the world a better place. I know that's what we're going to do. We've had so many, I will tell you, the Money Guy team, guys, just to get you excited, has had so many good meetings on upcoming projects mm-hmm. that we want to put out before you. Um, this thing's going. This is going to definitely have a silver lining, and I, and I like that because I told you, eighty-one percent of our clients would describe themselves, according to our Wealth Index survey, as optimist, and that's not an accident, guys. I definitely consider myself an optimist. I know Bo does. Yep. All right, since our clients are in that same boat. That is the best way to have a worldview assuming, you know, plan, measure twice, cut once. Mm -hmm. But man, you need to look at the world as there are so many things to learn. And can you take this negative situation, flip it upside down, learn something from it, internalize it, use the clarity that the noise has fallen off the side that you can now actually use pinpoint focus to actually do incredible things for the future? Man, that is powerful stuff, and we're right in the middle of it right now. I often tell you guys, opportunity is something we all look back on, and we think, man, how did he have the vision to look around that corner? That's not the way it works. Typically, opportunity is big enough that you can drive a truck through it. You just have to, I'm telling you, right now there is something going on that you can use this to make your life better, but also to find opportunity in. Get up there, make something happen, internalize it, and figure out what you can do to turn this negative situation into a positive thing for yourself now. If you heard that we have some exciting stuff coming out and you want to stay in tune with that, make sure you go out to our website, go to the Money Guy website, go visit our resource page, give us your email address, take those resources, use them, make them your own. Also, if you have not subscribed to us on YouTube, make sure you subscribe because when we have new announcements, when we have new content, when we have new exciting stuff coming out, if you're on our email list, if you're on our subscriber list, that is how we're going to be able to let you know about it. So if you've not done those things, please, please, please go do that so that you will be the first to know when we have new stuff coming your way. Bo, you are spot on. And that that actually leads into something I talk about on a lot of our shows, and that's the abundance cycle. Oh, yeah. There are so many things is we have yet to not be rewarded by just giving away yep. great advice. You know, the whole premise of this channel is you come, you know, learn, apply, grow. We give it all to you completely free with the catch that at some point the greatness of what we're sharing with you leads to success yep. That you're going to say, I need a co-pilot. I need somebody to kind of help me out with all these, this goodness that's come my way. And that is the abundance cycle. Yep. And that's what I, I think it's no coincidence we talk about the 81% of optimists are what makes up our clients. That's you guys. So we want you. We invite you. Come do the abundance cycle. Be part of our case study. I mentioned earlier in the episode, we had a 16-year-old mm-hmm. that is now quickly approaching his mid-20s. Six-figure portfolio just because we are bearing fruit. That can be you, too. And you don't have to be 16, by the way. We'll take 30-year-olds, 40-year-olds, 50-year-olds. The abundance cycle works for all ages. Just try to figure out how you can take a little bit of 
what's going on now and find the positive side of it. We're going to keep doing that for Love ourselves. It. We're going to keep practicing the abundance cycle, and we appreciate the Money Guy family so much. Money Guy team, out. The Money Guy Show is hosted by Brian Preston. Abound Wealth Management is a registered investment advisory firm regulated by the Securities and Exchange Commission in accordance and compliance with the securities laws and regulations. Abound Wealth Management does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through The Money Guy Show. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment, or legal advice.